your salvation. everybody. Man, look good. Good to see everybody. Amen. Y'all live and well. Nobody got the flu. Praise the Lord. My God. Man. It's good to be here. Really good. Good, good to be alive. <laughs> Supposed to be the land of the living. My God. <laughs> he said, I'll show you the goodness. Man. Y'all got that joy? That, that, I, <laughs> I'm talking about that inward witness of joy. Not because of things. Not because you got a job. <laughs> it's who you know. Oh, my God. You have joy for real. The Bible said unspeakable joy. It's like, see, my joy is in my assurance. Is your joy in your assurance? I'm fighting the good fight of faith. <laughs> I'm preserving the canton of scripture. I'm fighting for righteousness. while exalting my king. Can I get somebody just really love God who don't mind talking about him, exalting him? Damn. Nothing like a man knows that he has a creator and has a relationship with his creator. It's just like you, your daughter come, she's going to have a relationship with her father. Mm. 
And it's gonna, you're going to look at her. You're going to look at her while she's asleep. And you're going to say, that truly is a God. <laughs> See, y'all don't understand. <laughs> it truly is a God. See, when, see, you can't do that until you're a real father, until you really accept that. With the crying, with the diapers and food and hospital visits and, and all these things, you're going to look at her. You're going to go upstairs, you're going to open that, that door. I did that. You know, you see a TV and they, they open the door, they look at the kids. Oh, I did that for real. I did that for real. Because your love that you have for your children. Oh, man, it's, it's that same kind of love that I'm looking, you know, with my Heavenly Father. And I, I'm His child. Got some bad kids, too, see. The Bible speaks of children of disobedience. Yes, and you will visit that too. Just can't. Just trying to hold on as long as I can with honey. But one day, the enemy will come. And he will come. Yeah, you do. You do. You got to know how to pray. I'm gonna get into the thing. We, I got, you know, I like Fridays. You know, I like a couple of things I like to do on Fridays. Y'all know I like our, um, Hebrew roots of our faith, which is important um, to know where you come from. Okay, okay, wait a minute. Okay, but Pastor, I'm from Portsmouth. Okay, hold on. I'm talking about your a new creation. You have a new home. I mean, have anybody thought about heaven today? Yes. I mean, your heavenly, this is not your home. Not even, oh, Pastor, what they say, you know, we're going to come back here. No, he said, I see a new heaven and earth. So it can't be the same earth. That's how we look at things. So many things are happening in the world. So many natural catastrophes. All you got to do is look in the book of Matthew. You'll see all these things. And he says, not yet. These things, I'm not coming yet. These things have to come to pass. It's just the birth pains. More frequent in the earthquakes. More frequent in, you know, just a lot of things that are happening in the climate. A lot of things that are happening. There's a whole other world that you don't know about. You know, some of the things I'd like to open us up to on um, Friday nights, you know, we got... AI that's taking over all that's artificial intelligence and you know they're moving to you know the image that's going to speak in the book of Revelation they're moving us toward that they're desensitizing you to the spirit realm you know with all our television shows these things are important see most of all what the enemy is counting on us is being misinformed what he would like to do with us is entertain us we like to be entertained. We come to church, we want to be entertained. You come to church, you want entertainers. Yeah, well, the Bible says two in the field, one taken. Move the house, one taken. Not everybody want it. Just be glad that you are one. Amen. So, and, and, you know, we don't have a love for the word. 
I mean, the Bible says the word is the sword. Like, I like what Jonathan going to do tonight because he's going to, it's going to help. It's, it's just going to be a reiteration of what I've already been teaching you. It's about a mouth or two. Let everything be established. Amen? So a lot of us, we carry our Bibles and we got them on our phones and everything. We still don't know how to handle our word, the sword, God. We don't. We don't. And it's, and it's a shame. You don't know how to... You don't know how to handle your weapon, your sword, you're going to get hurt. So I was watching, because um, when I watch things, it, it's, I got to see something. I got to see God in it. I just don't watch to watch. So I was watching, um, I was watching um, uh, a newer version of Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> They're like, what, Pastor? You got to understand something. So in that time frame, everything was about wickedness. I told you all, there's only one story. There's only one story. And, of course, Conan is the savior. It's only one story. He always. But what I noticed from a young boy, he was with his father, real close. His mother, in this episode, gave birth to him in battle. Because she was a warrior, too. She gave birth to him. I mean, pregnant right on the battlefield. All right. With the, with the husband. With the husband. Okay. Y'all got to follow me. Follow what I'm saying. Okay. You're in a war. Amen. Okay. When Sam gives birth, it's the same thing. It's a war around you. She's going to give birth in a war, in a battle. All y'all were born in one. Every last one, you won't even say it, but you were born in one. Some of us have lost. Okay. Are you saved? Say, if you saved, you're on the winning team. No, no, no. If you save for real. I ain't talking about just coming to church. No, I mean a real relationship. So he's born in battle, right on the battlefield, right on the battlefield, birth. She said, let me see him before I die, because she had already got wounded. Just like when you have a 50% chance that you're going to yeah. make it. Okay. Y'all got to know how to look at things. Right? Wrong perspective, wrong interpretation. Exactly. Yeah, they're gonna assume it's an easy ride. You know, easy ride. That first pain hits you. <laughs> Some of the mothers know what I'm talking about. It's real, ain't it? It's real. It's real. Give me the epidural. <laughs> I need something to numb this pain. So, <laughs> I've got three pregnant people. Okay. So, so check this out. So, um, sometimes pastors just need to talk. Need to talk to the sheep. My, my, my job is to lead you on the path of righteousness. Path is there, and my job is to lead you there. It's to help you stay fit in the kingdom. My, my job is to, first of all, care for you. 
I should care whether you're going to hell or not. See, that's my job is to make sure you don't. But it's your job to make sure that you obey. You got to obey. My job, if I do my job and you do your job, we'll see each other on the other side of eternity. Right? So you got a lot of pastors who are really playing with the sheep. If you're in sin and you're in false doctrine, you're <laughs> it's going to be hard to get into them pearly gates. Yeah, you can believe it or not. Back to the subject. So he, um, first of all, had established a good relationship with his father. Fought with him, teaching him from a young age how to identify the enemy. So y'all just, we playing in here. We playing when it comes to our children. That's what's wrong with a lot of us. And nobody really took us into the war field and the battlefield. And we can really, you know, make some damage and identify the enemy when he's coming at us. So, we get to it. Okay. So, uh, I, got, I got a real life testimony for you about with my own son. Uh, one of them. Um, so, the mother passed, and he's with the dad, and he's a, he's a skilled warrior. He's a skilled craftsman. The sword that he was making for his son. Now, he was making, his son was young, you know, maybe 11, 10 at that time. But he's making a sword for him for later in life. See, he... We, we don't understand what's going on here. So y'all just looking at, oh, look at he's got muscles and all this. Y'all stop looking at the fleshy part of this thing. Man. What's, what's really happening? Why am I watching this? God, well, speak to me. Do y'all, y'all talk to God like that? No, speak to me. Show, show me what you're saying. I don't understand. Show me. Then I'm going to be patient and wait for you. So, yeah, I'm teaching right now. Okay. Bible study. I need you to be attentive. I need you to listen. You hear because God's going to speak something to you. You got to be able to catch it. So he's teaching him about his craft. He's teaching him about his weapon. He's teaching him how it was made. He forged the steel himself. He, he made the pattern that the, the, the liquid iron ore would flow into to shape the weapon. Okay. And if y'all read the book of Enoch, y'all know where that came from. <laughs> okay. So, he's teaching them how to make this work, how precision and precise he is. He's checking it all out and everything. He's examining, scrutinizing his work. His craft, his skill, the word. Okay, your word, just your word. Just your weapon. This is handling the word. Because that weapon was going to save his life. That sword was going to save, that sword was going to save his life. Once he understood how it worked, how it was made, how it was forged. And 
He kept trying to pick it up, but too, too, too much for him at that time. Like, a lot of us, we bite off too much. Can't handle it yet. There come a skilled technician of the word. You do. You have to be a skilled technician of the word. You need to know some things about your word. You need to know where it originated from. You, you need to know that when it said it was God breathed, what that meant. That was inspired. See, we don't know, we don't know too much about the word. We just know it's the Bible. You're going to hear some things that John's going to ask you a question that's really good. Like, what does Deuteronomy mean? What does Ecclesiastes mean? There's a word, and you're going to see it in its title, Davar. That means the word. So Deuteronomy means Davar. The words of Moses. Okay. It means second law as well. See, certain things that we just don't know. I like, a, let's see, I was looking at a post, because I do look at your post too. Uh, Andrea had posted something the other day and had zakar, which means to remember. So zakar, where you get Zachariah. Which means the Lord remembers. Zachariah. Zakar means to remember. But Zachariah, the Lord remembers. You know, certain things we don't know. What's Obadiah mean? Did you know that was in the Bible? What's it about? What is that about? (laughs) I like it. He, He provoked you. To ask these questions. What, what does that mean? See, a lot of times we read, we just read, and the prophet's name means something. It means divine judgment and restoration of Israel. Obadiah. So like he said, when you meet him in heaven, you'll at least know what he did. Okay. All right. <laughs> it's another one. Ecclesiastes. That's another good one. So, check this one out. Ecclesiastes, they don't even sound Hebrew, do it? It's like Latin, don't it? Ecclesiastes, Ecclesia. Okay. It's a Latin transliteration of the Greek translation of the Hebrew word. <laughs> Kohalat. Something like, it's like, I think I'm saying that right. Kohalat, which means teacher, preacher. And gatherer. So uh, he provoked. I'm like, man, let me make sure I know what those mean too. You know, you should know your weapon. What does it mean, right? We just do a lot of. Who read the word today? Everybody here said they believe it. You read the word. So that means you ate. That means you fed today, right? That means, see, what did I tell y'all on Sunday? If you don't read it, Y'all don't remember? Okay. Well, you don't read what? You, you have no defense. You don't have your weapon with you. So life will overtake you. Oh, let me bring it down. Your boss will overtake you. 
Your body, you, ain't read, you ain't put the word on it. See, we try to live without his word and say, I have my weapon. You shadow boxing. <laughs> you are. You, you're, not, you're not fighting unless you got your weapon, your word today. A word. Did you get a word? A word. Teacher asked everybody to do a study on command. Have we done that? Amen. Have we ever started? I got like a few people. Say, you ain't got time. You don't have time to study. You ain't got time to be in this war then. The Bible says, show yourself what approved. Rightly dividing the word of truth, which means you can wrongly divide it. So Sunday, you know, we're going to get back on it. Got something really good for you on Sunday about these... Or the church and false prophets and false teachers and how they lead us astray with false gospel of grace. See, and it sounds so good. It sounds so good. But the end of it is destruction. That's the job of the false teacher and the false prophet. I want to get your you're itching, tickling ears, and you're going to succumb because you're going to walk by your flesh and not by the spirit. Mm. Yeah. The word. Y'all mean that word, devar. Did you want to? First, any questions? Any questions? Y'all good? Okay. I thought I put it out there now. Y'all, y'all worshipers? Y'all read y'all word today. I mean, y'all got your weapon with you, right? And it don't have to be the whole book. You just need to open it up and start a dialogue. There's no other book like it. There, there is no other book like it. <laughs> yes, yeah, they lie, man. They be in the word, man. You gotta love the word. Amen. That's how I live. You know? When I was in okay, when I was in the club, I was hype. But I didn't fall asleep. See, I didn't get drunk. <laughs> Got you drunk, but I didn't get drunk. <laughs> I didn't get drunk. I was my head, my sense, I was intact. <laughs> so I can't come to the kingdom. I can't come to the kingdom now and go to sleep. I was hype. You know? Oh, y'all young people, y'all with y'all lit and all that. I was lit. I just need us to get it. So, um, I like Jonathan because he's, he's really good. He's a Messianic Jew. Uh, and he did a little 14 minute, because um, we had tabernacles a couple of weeks back, right? Um, yeah, but uh, I, didn't, I didn't catch it because uh, we was here, but I got a short 14 minute of his of his ex uh, worship with the tabernacles and 
how they did it, and, you know, the, he explained some things. You know, with the Jewish people, everything sim- symbolizes God. And see, most of us, we only see God unless I got a big bank account or a job or, you know, whatever, big house. That's not how you see God. <sighs> y'all mad at me because I, I mean, God is bigger than that. Don't y'all think? I'm telling you right now, this is why from Sunday on, I'm teaching out. I have to teach y'all what the true gospel is. And what we have in in church is not the true gospel. See, and I I have an assignment to teach you that, to lead you, teach us to teach you. I'm to lead you to the true gospel. Make sure you stay on right course. No, that's not the reading you should have. No, that's not what you should be listening to. No, this is what you shouldn't be reading. No, this is what you should be doing. This is why you come here. This is why, see, this is what I'm saying. But you're going to pass, pastors, you don't got pastors doing that. Just let you come in and do anything you want, say anything you want, be any way you want. I can't do that. Come to teach. Amen? Come ashore us the right way. Because, see, we just get so sidetracked with little things in life. And we can't live out the scriptures. And we need to be able to live out what it says. It says that you are to resist. You are to be vigilant. You are to resist him in every way. If I'm single, and I ain't, I'm supposed to resist my body and the things that it wants to do. I'm not supposed to be over here. I'm not supposed to go with you. I'm not supposed to be by myself with you. I got flesh and you got flesh. Something going to happen. And you can't lead someone to heaven if you are in hell. If you are operating in your flesh, you can't lead someone to Christ. See, we can play in church. I'm not going to play church with y'all. Ain't y'all tired of people playing church? And don't y'all want to know what the real gospel is? Well, let's get back to some of our roots. See, this is one of the reasons why you can do what you want in church, because we've left some of our foundation of our faith. None. All right. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and let y'all do y'all thing. Get this over here. Um, hit the lights in the back. Oh, we got Women of War tomorrow. What time? One o'clock. One o'clock. So four, first 14 minutes. First 14 minutes, it's going to be really good. Um, then, I, I, then I wanted to get into a little bit of the bar. Uh, so we got time. Amen? All right. Man. You, you ain't got nothing else to do tonight. Uh, club don't open up till 10. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just saying. You want to get that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can put that up. Ooh. Kind of dark, ain't it? Don't nobody go to sleep. I might have to cut on some light. I'll try it at first. Let's try it and see how, how it works out. If, if I go, I'm going to do a little tour. No, that's fine. So it's like the first 14 minutes and then we'll get into the bar. But I want us to experience something today, all right? Come on, let, let your head down.
of tabernacles, let me give you a, 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 an introduction. First of all, all around the world, actually, there are believers who have come from all around the world, and they come this time to go up to Jerusalem because the Bible says that all nations are going to celebrate this feast. And actually, in Israel right now, I can tell you they are celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. This is the actual time. And right now in Israel, it's later in the day, so they're, they're all, they're at the Western Wall. They're all around there. God commanded it, and this is actually also for the future for everyone. And so remember, three times a year, the Jewish people were commanded by God to go up in the Bible, go up to Jerusalem. The first was in the spring, Passover. The second was in this early summer, Pentecost. And the third was now, which is the autumn, and this is the closing of the sacred year. It's the finale. It's the final. The tabernacles is everything coming together. And so I'm going to ask right now, everybody rise. And we couldn't, technically, we had a technical problem. We couldn't do the branches, so you're going to have to use your hands. Okay, but you can save that. You can save your work yet, unless you're a Pentecostal. You can keep them up all the time. If you're a Baptist, keep it, save it, keep it down. If you're Nazarene, one hand up, one hand down. But uh, no, but at one point we're going to do the waving, but we're going to do it as praise to God as that. So now the Lord says this. This is how it begins. Every appointed time of God in the language of the Bible. Blessed are you, Lord God, King of the universe, who has preserved our lives, sustained our lives, and enabled us to reach this day. Blessed are you, Lord God, King of the universe, who has commanded us to dwell in tabernacles. It's written in Leviticus 23. And the Lord said to Moses, speak to the children of Israel. Tell them on the 15th day of the seventh month shall be the feast of tabernacles, seven days to the Lord. When you gather the increase of your land, you will keep the feast for seven days and you will take for yourselves on the first day the fruit of majestic trees, palm branches, and boughs of oak trees and willows of the brook. And you will rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. From the Feast of Tabernacles, it's so big in the Bible, it's so big in God, it was simply called the Feast because it was the greatest celebration. From this Feast comes three other holidays that you know about, but you may not have realized they all come from the Feast of Tabernacles. The first is called Hanukkah, came from the Feast of Tabernacles. The second is Palm Sunday. That also came from the Feast of Tabernacles. And the third is Thanksgiving. That also came from the Feast of Tabernacles. So in one way or the other, whether you're, you're born, you grew up Jewish, whether you, you grew up Protestant or Catholic, or whether you're just American, you were celebrating something linked to the Feast of Tabernacles. And so it happened at the end of the harvest year. They would come to Jerusalem with the fruits of their harvest, the the produce to bring it to the Lord and celebrate what God had given them. And so it was the, called the Feast of the Ingathering. The, it was the final ingathering of the Lord. And they would rejoice. God is telling them, he's telling his people that you follow me at the end. This is the end of the year. At the end, you have joy. And then they would all dwell in Jerusalem. And these, all across Jerusalem were these tabernacles. 
And if you go there today in Israel, you'll see them. But everybody dwelt there. I mean, and everybody you know in the Bible from, from the time of, of Joshua onward, David and Isaiah, Elijah, as best, as best he could, actually, he was in the north, but he, still observing the law, but also the, the disciples, Mary Magdalene, if she, she came with her family, Peter, John, Paul, Jesus, they all dwelt for seven days sleeping in tabernacles. Why? God said that you will remember the journey that I took you in the wilderness, that I, you dwelt in temporary dwellings like this, in tents, in tabernacles, because that you'll remember I kept you on a journey so that you could come to the promised land. And by doing this, they would remember, they would, would not take the promised land for granted, that God had blessed them. And there was a time that God took them out of Egypt, brought them there. So one, they were to remember and give thanks for all of God's blessings. Number two, the word tabernacle comes in the New Testament when it says in the Gospel of John, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word in Greek is, the word means tabernacled. He pitched his tent with us. The promise is ultimately that God will tabernacle with his people. He'll camp out. He'll come to this world and dwell with us. And number three, it tells us that this entire life we live on earth is a life of dwelling in tabernacles. Because we're not home. If you're a child of God, this is not your home. You're not home yet. This is the journey going home. So we remember, whatever you, whatever you have in your life, it's just a tabernacle. Your house is a tabernacle. Your life right now is a tabernacle. Your body is a tabernacle. Everything is a tabernacle. We're not home. We're camping out. Remember, you're journeying. You're a camper. But one day you'll be home. And what the, the, the last thing about tabernacles is it dwells on what is yet to come. It's about the future. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about when God will dwell on earth. And it's about ultimately it looks forward to heaven when we will be home. And so this is also very much about Jew and Gentile because it says in Zechariah, all nations will come up and celebrate in Jerusalem the Feast of Tabernacles. God actually says that in the kingdom of God, all nations will celebrate. So you're getting practice. You could say, you know what? I had practice at Beth Israel before this all happened, so I'll show you. I'll help you out in this, you know? And but the other thing is that it says that God says in that day, I will, I will put a sukkah, a tabernacle over Jerusalem. We can't even imagine what that is. But then at the end of the Old, of the end of the Old Testament, or Hebrew Scripture, you got that, Zechariah. But at the end of the New Testament, the end of the Bible, in Revelation, you got tabernacles comes up again. It says, then I saw a new heaven, a new earth. And then, I, then there was no more mourning and there was no more pain or tears, no more death. It was all passed away. But then I heard a voice. It said that the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will now dwell among them. And he will be their God and they shall be his people. That's the ultimate is heaven. Now we're going to do something biblical, and it's the wave offering, which is done on tabernacles. It was done by the priests on the Temple Mount. It is done to this day. It is done in Jerusalem. Now you don't, we couldn't get the branches today, so use your hands. Your hands are the branches.
okay? You're praising. Today you're all Pentecostal. No, you're all just worshiping the Lord. And so what we're going to do is you'll be part of the wave offering. And when we wave, we're gonna, it is done that you wave the branches to the four corners of the earth. And we wave to the four corners and we declare that the Lord is king over all the earth. But also we do this with a lulav. And for those who don't know, the lulav is a, are the three branches representing that what is spoken in the Bible. When I read that verse, you shall take the different branches. You have the branches. It says, well, it speaks of one kind, and this is, the, this is the myrtle branch. The myrtle grows in the mountains and the rough places. And so they remembered when they waved them that God took them and led them in the wilderness when they went through the rough places and when they went through the mountains, God was with them and kept them through the journey. And then you have the willows which grow by the brooks, by the stream, and it reminded them that when they were in the dry places of the wilderness, God gave them water and rivers in the desert. And then there is the palms which grow in the valleys that they remembered in all the valleys of their journeys. They were not alone. God was with them in the valley. And what this tells us is that in this life you are a pilgrim and you are journeying. And in your journey there will be mountains and there will be valleys and there will be dry places, there will be smooth places, there will be rough times in your life. But remember in all that, in the rough places, the myrtle tells you God will never leave you. And in the dry places, the willow tells you that God will give you rivers in your life in the desert. And in the, the palm tells you in the valleys of your life, God will be with you always. He will never leave you or forsake you. He is journeying with you. And then this is the citron or the etrog. And what this says, it speaks of is the promised land. And so we remember that all your journeys, you are not yet home. Everything is not, it's not the end of the story. Everything in your life, the good, the bad, the, the highs and the lows are all leading you to the promised land, to something good, to something, a blessing at the end. And so we're a people of hope. So now we're going to wave as this. And so I'm gonna, gonna do it with me. Now, normally, normally, you would, you wave it and you shake it. So now you have hands. So you're really getting Pentecostal. You're going to go like this. So here, the first thing is we're going to, you go to the east. So the east is this way, and that is to Jerusalem. And that is we pray now as we wave to the Lord. We declare the Lord is the Lord of the east of all the nations. We pray for, for Asia. We pray for China. We pray for the Middle East. We pray for the the Arab nations to come to you. We pray for the Lord China to come to you. We pray for all that need you. We pray for India to come to you. Father, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem as they are right now praising you. And we, Lord, we pray for your kingdom to come and we pray for your ancient people. And we pray, Lord, from the east, from the rising of the sun of the east, the name of the Lord shall be praised and you are the Lord over the east. Now we move to the south. And we pray now for the nations of the South, the, who, are the, who are many of the poorest nations of the world. We pray for Africa. Lord, we pray for revival. We pray, Father, for Latin America, revival to continue. We pray, Father, for you to pour out your spirit on the South, Lord, and bless and comfort them. And you are Lord over the South. We turn now to the West. 
And we pray for America. Lord, send revival on this land. Lord, we need revival, and without you there is no hope. Lord, send revival again to this land that you planted and have your way in America. And we pray, Lord, and we declare you are Lord over this land. And now we turn to the north, and we pray for the nations of the north. Lord, we pray for Canada, our neighbor. We pray, Father, for for the Lord Russia. We pray for the nations of Europe. We pray for all the nations of the north. And we declare, Lord, we ask for revival. Send revival. Say, Lord, we know there's a remnant, only a remnant in these places. Let there be revival and strengthen your remnant. And you are Lord over the north. And now turn back to me. And we're lifting up to the heaven. And the Lord says, heaven is my throne, as it is written. And Lord, we pray, we declare, you are Lord over heaven. You are Lord over all. You are Lord of the high places, Lord. And you are the most high, almighty. And now point down to the earth. And Lord, we declare, the Bible says, earth, and the earth is my footstool. And Lord, we, we declare, you are Lord over all the earth. And now you can place your hand on your self for a moment. And Lord, we declare you are Lord over me. You are Lord over my life. Lord over my problems. Lord over my joys. Lord over my dreams. Lord over my past. Lord over my present. Lord over my future. You are Lord of all of me. And I declare and I make you Lord over every part. The light places and the dark places, Lord, over everything. Have your way. You are Lord of all. And now let's give thanks to the Lord as it is a time of thanksgiving. Lord, we thank you and praise you that you have journeyed with us. You have been with each of us. You never forsook us. You are with us at every part of our journey. We praise you for that. We thank you. You're with us. You walk with us. You talk with us. You never leave us. And we thank you, Lord. We praise you in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. Amen. And amen. And all people say amen. Uh, did y'all like? Yeah. It was in, uh, very, very good. So y'all know we got the Seder meal coming up. Uh, that's a big, big thing here. So when it packed out, our call is preparing the, the next one. This is Devar now. Uh, he's going to get in and talk about the word. Amen. But that's, we, can, we can, at the end, we, we can talk about that. Uh, some, maybe some of you never experienced that, but it's beautiful in essence. It's a rehearsal, what you're going to be doing. This is what they were doing when he had the palms riding in. Okay, it's in the Word. Yeah. <laughs> from the New Testament, but in the Hebrew. Now, New Testament is in Greek, but the original culture, original when it was written down, or the original uh, actually words that were spoken were, of course, Hebrew Aramaic. So this is more how it would sound in those days, but see if you can figure out what I'm saying, even if you don't know any Hebrew at all. Birashit, you may know that word. Hayah hadavar. 
והדבר היה את אלוהים. והוא הדבר היה אלוהים. Anybody think you know what it was? Say it again. What is it? You are so good. Yes. 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 Turn to John 1. You could for John 1. And I, I know that a lot of you figured out without knowing necessarily that you know Hebrew, but you know some of Hebrew. Or you know some words. John 1. Now listen, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it in Hebrew and in English. Birashit, in the beginning, just like in Genesis, Hayah was Hadavar, the word. Vahadavar, the word, Hayah was et Elohim, was God. Was with God. Sorry, et was with God. Vahu Hadavar Hayah Elohim, and the word was God. And then it goes on. And through him all things were made that were made. Apart from him nothing was made. Hadavar, the Davar, the name of this message is the word. It's something that Messiah is called Hadavar, the word. Messiah is God, so God is the word. God is also the word of God. And this that you have, that you're looking at, is also the word of God. Of course, it's not the paper or the leather. It's what's in it. It is the Word of God. And it says the Word of God is God. So this is something amazing that we have. When the Israelites came out of Egypt, one of the first revelations that was given to them, even before the law on Sinai, was the revelation of the Word through the giving of manna. Manna, the food that came from heaven, manna. What does that have to do with the Word? At the end of the journey, Moses reveals it. Deuteronomy 8.3, he says, He humbled you, God humbled you, and caused you to go hungry, and then he fed you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers knew, to teach you that man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. The manna represented the word of God. And Messiah would quote from it when he was being tempted by the enemy. Now, the context is you got a people who were just saved out of Egypt, and now they're hungry, and God is now teaching them to live by a new food. Most food you know, that we have, obviously, is from the earth, and there was not much food in the desert, but manna is not a desert food. It's not an earthly food. It's a sky food. It's a heavenly food. We don't know exactly what it was. It was a miracle of God. And so he's telling them something. As soon as they're saved, you've got a new food to eat. You have to live on heavenly things, bread from heaven. Now, what this means is, because the picture of, of salvation from Egypt is a picture of all of our lives who've been saved. We got out of Egypt. And then the next thing God teaches is now you have to have a new food. You have to receive manna every day. And the manna represents the Word of God. The people of God must live by the Word of God. And it is crucial that we get good at receiving the Word of God and receiving our manna because we need it to survive, to live, to prosper. The Word of God is manna from heaven. It is pure, pure food, pure intake. They were hungry, and God gave them manna. So what it's connecting is we have a hunger, and the hunger is a hunger that you have that can only be matched, only be met by the Word of God. The Word of God actually, if you receive it right, actually fills you, actually fills your soul, your heart. And we need to realize that, that our hunger, that there are hungers in our life that are only filled by God's Word so that we would actually hunger for the Word. And as food is to physical life, so the Word of God is to your spiritual life. Without food, you grow weak. 
Without the word, you grow spiritually weak. Without the word of, without food, you don't grow, you don't replenish, you don't heal. Without the word of God, you don't grow, you don't replenish, you don't heal. And if you don't have any food, you die. If you don't have the word of God, any of it, you die spiritually. Do you know the word of God? And how well do you know it? And do you know how to handle the word of God? This is what I want to show you today because it's so crucial. I want to equip you, that's my job, for what God has for you. The question, if I asked you, how many people here have read Obadiah? Raise your hands. Wow. How many people have not read Obadiah? How many people can't raise their hands? All right, those of you who read Obadiah, how many of you can tell me what it's about? Zero. How many people have read the book of Ezekiel? The whole book. <laughs> you read two verses. No. How many of you can tell, you can tell me what the whole book of Ezekiel is about? Or what Deuteronomy means? Who knows? You don't have to tell me, but just do you know what Deuteronomy means? How many of you know what Ecclesiastes means? Ecclesiastes means. I can't even say it. Ecclesiastes. How's this going to look for you in heaven? You think Obadiah is going to be happy about this? What happens if you meet him at a party in the New Jerusalem? You run into Obadiah. has a name tag. Hi, I'm Obadiah. Hey, Obadiah, I loved your book. Oh, yeah, tell me what it was about. Uh, something about God, right? You condemn somebody, right? Right? Noah. How many of you will think that, that there's an Irish prophet in the Bible named Malachi? You Italian believers are saying, no way, he was one of us, he's Malachi, you know. <laughs> the Bible says, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. By the word, the world came into existence. So the power to overcome the world comes through the word of God. The word is stronger, we sang the song stronger, the word of God Create through that the world, the universe was created. You were created, so the word of God is stronger than the world. It's stronger than your circumstances. Therefore, you need to use it, know it. And it doesn't mean anything if you don't use it, if you don't realize it, don't open it, don't receive it, don't use it. Today, I'm going to give you a practical keys of knowing the word. Some of you know more, some of you know less. I'm going to give you a lot. The Bible, first of all, People say it was changed over time. People who don't know the Bible say, oh, yeah, they passed it down. The truth is totally opposite. We have more ancient manuscripts of the New Testament than any other document of ancient times. More than the works of, the, of any Roman Greek historian. More than, more than Homer, the Iliad, more than that. The, the, that's the runner-up is Homer, 643 manuscripts of the Iliad. The New Testament, there are thousands of them, ancient around the time of the writing. Critics have said that the Bible is not the same, what you're reading now, back then. Then they found, in, in the 20th century, they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, containing the oldest manuscript of the Bible in history. And it turned out it's virtually identical with the copies we have to this day. The fact is, it's the most, most carefully preserved document in history. You had scribes writing, and you know what happens if they made a mistake on the scroll? The whole scroll is thrown out. One mistake. It is unique. There's no book like the Bible in all of human history. Written over a thousand and a half years, 40 authors from every walk of life, fishermen, shepherds, poets, statesmen, kings, refugees, outlaws, 
royal cupbearers, a tax collector, a prime minister, a doctor, a rabbi. Written in different places, Moses writing in the wilderness, Daniel in a palace, Jeremiah in a dungeon, Paul in a prison, John on an island. Written at different times, times of war, peace. Written on three continents, Asia, Africa, Europe. Written in three languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, Greek. And yet over 1,500 years, imagine if there was a book written today, or not written today, written 1,500 years ago, that would be like 500 A.D., Roman, maybe a vandal, maybe a, one of the, the invaders of Rome. And then, then, it's, then more is written by medieval people. And then it goes all the way down. The last part's written in the Bronx in America by a, a rap music band. Would it make any sense? No, it would make no sense. Yet the Bible is written over that period of time, and it's consistent from the beginning to the end. The, the beginning is the, is the beginning. I mean, the beginning is the beginning of the revelation. The middle is the middle of the revelation. And the end is the completion of the revelation. Who was alive for a thousand and a half years to do that? Only God. Only God. No book is so influential in the world. No book has, has caused actually so many of the world's languages to actually appear in written form because of the Bible. It has changed the world as no other book has. Culture, morality, history. If every book, every Bible was destroyed, the Bible could largely be restored by all the other books that quote from it. It is unique. Through persecution from Rome to communist dictators, it's been burned, it's been banned, it's been outlawed. Voltaire, the, the, the French philosopher, said in 100 times from his time, Christianity would be swept from existence. 50 years after his death, Voltaire's house became the headquarters for the Geneva Bible Society. <laughs> Critics rise up to speak as if the Bible's irrelevant. And you know, it's out of time, you get out of, out of date, you gotta be on the right side of history. A few years later, the critics are irrelevant and gone. But the power of the Bible continues to change the lives of men. Bibles read by more people than any other book, translated, published in more language than any other book, unique in foretelling the future. In the right, I mean, there, you know, there, there isn't one other book in the world that continually has told the future before it happened. That's what led me as an atheist to believe it. Because the Bible, thousands of years ago, said what was happening in the 20th century, that Israel would come back into the world despite every law of history. Islam has no such, no such record, neither does any religion, except the Bible. The Bible foretells the rise and fall of kingdoms, nations, accurately. The Bible foretold the coming of the Messiah centuries before he came. And you can't argue that they made it up after because, because it's the Hebrew Scripture, the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures that the rabbis have that is foretelling Jesus in the New Testament. Bethlehem, born in Bethlehem. I always thought that was Catholic until I found it in the Jewish Bible. He'll be born in Bethlehem. He'll ride on a donkey into Jerusalem. He will become a light to the nations, the Son of God. He will be pierced through Zechariah. He will, be, he will die for our sins, Isaiah 53. And prophecies of, his, of Jewish history, dry bones will rise. I will gather them from the ends of the earth in those days, the last days. I will gather them back to Israel. I will gather them back, and Jerusalem will be a cup of, of reeling of controversy. When I was a new believer or actually, I don't know if I was a new believer or just coming to the Lord, I'm reading about the Bible, and I'm reading in the library, I, I took a commentary of the Bible, and the commentary was a liberal commentary, which said, well, it's really not exactly, totally, absolutely the Word of God. I'm thinking, oh, that's what Christians believe, and they don't believe it? 
And I said, and, and, and so I said, well, that's, I guess, what everybody, they all believe. And I said, but that doesn't match up because the because when I open the Bible, it speaks with an authority that no other book speaks with. And it, a greater authority than that commentary. I could, even though I was thinking that's what everybody believed, I said, that doesn't work. There's no book like it. A, an ancient book that is read today, not just by scholars or people in school, but read by people all across the world, by in every background, tribe, and tongue. The Bible continues to change lives. It is as relevant today as it ever was. It is more contemporary than the latest bestseller. It is more, there is no, the latest headline, there's no book like it, no words like it, and you need to know it. It's a treasure. What does it consist of? You should know it, as many of you don't. First of all, you can open up the table of, actually, if you can, you don't have to, but you can open up the table of contents in your Bible, and you'll see the overview. The Bible is divided, first of all, between the Old Testament and New Testament. Of course, you know that. Sometimes it's spoken of the Old Covenant Scriptures or the New Covenant Scriptures. Through Actually, the Old Covenant or the old, doesn't come until Exodus, doesn't come until Sinai, and the New Covenant only comes at the end of the Gospels. But some of the fallacies are that, well, the Old Testament, that's Jewish. New Testament, that's not Jewish. Not so. They're equally Jewish. Now you, John is really Yochanan. Mary is really Miriam. Yosef is, is, Joseph is Yosef. Jesus is Yeshua. The Old Testament speaks of the New Covenant. In Jeremiah 31, 31, that's where the New Covenant is first spoken of. And the New Covenant, the New Testament, is totally referring to the Old Testament all the time. All the time. And so here... Basically, the Old Testament or the Hebrew Scriptures are speaking of the coming of Messiah, and the New Covenant Scriptures are saying He's come, He's here. The Bible has 66 books, 39 Old Testament, 27 New Testament. Unfortunately, many believers avoid the Hebrew Scriptures, which is most of the Bible. But so many, and there's so many believers, even years old and many years in the Lord, don't understand how the Bible's set up. The Hebrew Scriptures are divided up, how many parts? Three parts. Now, in the synagogue, they have their own three parts. Uh, it's traditional. And, it, and, and that is, the rabbinical division is the law, five books of Moses, the prophets, here, here, here Messiah saying the law of the prophets, and the writings, the non-prophetical books. The law, you get the Torah, you get T. You get prophets are, in Hebrew, Navim, you get N. Starts it over, you get the writings, that's Kodvim, you get, you get Ch there. So you put it together, T, N, Ch, it gets Tanakh. Have you ever heard the word Tanakh? That's, that speaks of the three parts of the, of the Hebrew Scriptures. But if you hear a Jewish people speaking, you'll know about that. But the Bible for you, in your version, it's the same words, but your version is also divided in three parts. But the three parts are these. The historic or historical, the poetic, poetical section, and the prophetic or prophetical section. The first is the historical in the Old Testament. It tells you the history, tell, gives you the framework. Starts with Genesis, goes through Exodus, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Kings, Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, up to Esther. The second is the poetical section, or the poetry. That's works of praise or works of poetry. You've got Job, starting with Job, going through the Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. And then you have the third, the prophetic, which are, which are the oracles of God speaking, starting with Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Joel, Amos, Zechariah, ends with Malachi. So the first part of the Old Testament is giving you the history, the framework for everything else. That is, the first section, the historical, is also further divided into two sections. Five books, Moses. Five books of Moses, 
You know it, Genesis to Deuteronomy. Called the Torah, sometimes the law, and it means the instruction or the covenant. And then you have the rest of the historical part. The prophetic section also is divided in two parts. There are the major prophets and the minor prophets. That's not like baseball, guys. It's not like, like you have better prophets or they, they had a better average. It's major meaning the length is major and the, the, the length is minor. So who are the majors? Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. And you have lamentations in there. The minor, Hosea, Joel, all the way to Malachi because they are smaller. Now, another misconception that keeps people from reading the whole Bible, and that is that the New Testament is about love and mercy. The Old Testament's all judgment. You know, God was angry. He had a, a lot of bad days in the Old Testament. And then he, he got better. No. You know, and not so at all. Listen, you cannot understand the gospel without understanding judgment of sin. You can't understand the cross. What's the cross? God on the cross. That's the biggest judgment that ever was. And look at the book of Revelation. That's pretty heavy. At the same time, but you have love and you have, all, you have justice and love. And in the Old Testament, you've got that too. You've got the mercies of God forever, the love of God for just as well. Now, the Old Covenant scriptures are all, they are, are, it's filled with shadows, foreshadows, types, archetypes of Messiah, of the kingdom coming. Now we go to the New Covenant, New Testament. New Testament's divided up also into sections. You've got the historical first, just the same way. Matthew to the book of Acts is all the history that gives you the framework for everything else. Then you have the epistles, the letters that are written in the time of Acts. And then you have, and that's Romans to Jude. And then you have the book of Revelation. It's all in its own, own category, what is yet to come. Further, it is further divided into the Gospels. The Gospels and the Gospels and Acts. The Gospels also is divided into, are divided to two parts. The Synoptic Gospels and the Gospel of John. What is Synoptic? Sin joined optic view, one view. So it means that Matthew, Mark, and Luke are more similar to each other, and John is more different. Of course, they all go together. They all are the same, but, or they all are the same thing, but they go together, but there's a difference there. And then you have Acts, which is the, the beginning, right after the, God, right after the resurrection, the beginning of the church, uh, everything going forward, and then you have the epistles that are linked to Acts, and that's all. The, and plus, in the letters of the epistles, they're divided up into the Pauline or the the letters of Paul, and then you have John, and you have Jude as well, and you have Peter. But uh, most of it's Paul. Now, the gospel means what? Means the good news. So you have the four accounts of the good news. That's the life of Messiah. But it's really not a biography. It's a, about redemption. It's the good news because it's all about leading up to him dying for our sins and rising. Why are there four? Well, interesting. It says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word became flesh. Well, in the Hebrew Scriptures, the Word comes in all different ways. God, just, you just, God speaks. It's recorded. But in the New Covenant, the Word becomes flesh. So now... People are looking at the Word. He, the Word is three-dimensional. The Word has color. The Word has form. Messiah. So therefore, it's recording him from different angles. And so the way you read the Gospels, they're very similar, but they each are different too. And so you need to put them all together. You composite, you, you, it's a cumulative. You put it together. Example, he goes to a town. One Gospel says he healed two blind men. Another one says he healed a blind man. 
Well, so is that a contradiction? No. He healed two. One focuses on one. That you put it all together and you get it. Now, now also know when it speaks of Jews or the Jewish people, keep in mind everybody who's speaking is pretty much Jewish. So they're talking about their family. It, it would be, you know, it, it's not about, it's not against that, but it is clearly, it is a family thing, but it's for everybody. Now I want you to see something. I want you to open up to Ezekiel. Ezekiel 1. I want everybody who's got a Bible, open up to Ezekiel 1. Ezekiel sees a vision. In verse 4, I looked, I saw a windstorm coming out of the north, an immense cloud with flashing lightning surrounded by brilliant light. And he talks about the center glowing as metal, the fire, four living creatures in the fire. And their appearance was, listen, human, but each of them had four faces and four wings. Their legs were straight, feet were like that of a calf, lean, it goes on. And then verse 10 describes their face. Their faces looked like this. Each of the four had the face of a human being. On the right side, each had the face of a lion. On the left, the face of an ox, and also the face of an eagle. Such were their faces. He's describing these heavenly creatures with, with these strange heavenly creatures with four faces all around. The face of a man, the face of a lion, the face of an ox, and the face of an eagle. Interesting. Four faces. And the, interesting because the, gospel are, the gospels are four faces of Messiah. And they will follow. A lion. What does a lion represent? Royalty, kingship. Matthew speaks of Messiah primarily as Messiah, the king, the lion of Judah, and primarily to Jewish people. The next, the ox. An ox is a beast of burden, a servant animal. The gospel of Mark speaks of Messiah as the servant of God, the ox. The servant of God, a man of action, miracles, doing Mark, and they believe Mark is primarily to the Romans, people of action. The other face is that of a man, Luke depicts Messiah as a man, as the perfect man. Writes to the Greeks, who would be more concerned with the perfect human Messiah. And the last, the eagle, more a symbol of God and the spirit of God. The gospel of John is the most spiritual, speaks of Messiah primarily as God. Written to all universal, and of course they're all to all of us. Interesting, a man, a king, a servant of God. Now think about that, out of, a, out of that. A man, a king, a servant of God. Which would have a genealogy? A man would have a genealogy, born of, born of parents. A king would have a genealogy, a royal genealogy. So the two gospels that have a genealogy are Luke, the man, and Matthew, the king. But a servant doesn't have a genealogy. No, so you don't ask a genealogy of a servant. So Mark doesn't have a genealogy. And also, God doesn't have a genealogy, because he's forever. So the gospel of John doesn't have a genealogy either. It's amazing. But in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was the God. That's what you get in John. The Gospels, remember, are not primarily biographies. They're about redemption. They're about what you, you read it to know your Redeemer. When you read the book of Acts, you're reading about God acting now, the resurrection, and what happened next, and, and, and the early believers. But you could say that the, the book of Acts never ended, because we're in one sense, we're still in the book of Acts. These are the acts of the apostles from the from Jerusalem. It follows the beginning. It's all there in the beginning. It says, it shall go. Messiah says, go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Well, that you read Acts, and that's how it goes. First is Jerusalem, then is Judea, then is Samaria, and then is the ends of the earth, almost in four sections. The epistles are written to the early believers, but they're written to you. 
primarily Paul, but others, they sum up the truth of the gospel and they say, it's now what? How do you apply it? How do you live? How do we live? So when you read that, you're applying, you take it, you're applying it to your life. And Revelation, of course, is about the end. And it's, the, it's so perfect that it's the end because to understand Revelation, you have to read the whole Bible. Because it's almost like all, the, it's like all these planes took off from Genesis to, to up to there. And in Revelation, they all come home for a landing. Practical tips, brothers and sisters. How do you read it? First of all, what translation? Some say, some people say, the only true Bible is the King James Bible. No, the King James Bible is a great Bible. It's a great version, but, but it, is, there is, it is not the original. I mean, I remember we had some people who came in here and said, you have to read, you know, the only, it's King James. I said, okay, but I'm studying in the Hebrew and the Greek. They said, the King James is more accurate than that. <laughs> more accurate than the original language? It's a translation, a great translation, but it is, from, it is from centuries ago, so words have also changed. There are many good translations, and there may be some that are bad, but there are many good translations as well. Get one that you can understand, and that's good. There are Bible helps, aids that can help you. For instance, standard, there are Bible programs that are great to get if you're on the computer, but also there are classic helps, like a Bible handbook is great to have. Eardmans, Ungers, Haley's, all good. Study Bible is good if it's a good version, because it tells you, it helps you as you read it. A commentary is giving you verse by verse or chapter by chapter commentary. It's like having a teacher helping you understand that. Then there's a concordance, which helps you find any word in the Bible or anything in the Bible. Now, there are programs that do that too. Bible, dictionary, encyclopedia is good. You open up any subject. How do you read the Bible? When starting, you know, a lot of people, when they get saved, they think, okay, it's like a regular book. I'm going to read it right through. And the first time they start, you know, they're reading Genesis. How are you doing? Hey, it's going great. Genesis is easy, you know. And then, you know, hey, how are you doing? I'm in Exodus. We're doing great. Then they get to the second part of Exodus where it gives all the instructions for the tabernacle. How are you doing? Well, I'm making it through. Then they hit Leviticus. And when you hit Leviticus, you hit the entrails and the kidneys and the fat. That's about it. Most of them are asking for counseling at that point. But there are ways to read it. You can, get, you can read anything, but you, should, but you can have a commentary helps, and these things help you to understand what it, because for instance, Leviticus, all about those sacrifices, but those sacrifices are all about Messiah, the peace offering, the, you know, the praise offering, the thanksgiving offering, the, 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 the whole offering. That's all about Messiah, but you got to understand that. But of course, the, in, in the Hebrew scriptures, there's a lot of history that's actually easy to read. Genesis, Samuel, Kings, the story of David, story of Esther, story of Ruth, all that. But know this, when you read the, the New Covenant, you read the Old Covenant, the, old, the New Covenant is like the, the top of the iceberg. It's the pinnacle. Everything goes to it. But you don't see the full majesty of it until you see the full iceberg. So the Old Testament, the, that's the full iceberg, or that's the bottom of the iceberg, leading to the top of the iceberg. Or another way it's been said, and it's true, the, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. What you need to commit to, if you haven't done it, first, spend regular time in, the day, in, in, in your day with the Word of God. Daily, with God, with a presence in prayer with God, devotion and the Word of God, you have to do it. That'll change your life more than anything. Best to read, you know, read, if you're reading a section, read in consecutive order, read it. And you can compliment. Best to start, if, you, if you're beginning in this, the Gospels, the best thing to start with. 
and the epistle, an epistle at the same time, like Ephesians, it'll help you read. A psalm or a proverb is also very easy to read at the same time. And again, if you get to a hard part, get, get help with it. Get a commentary. Get something. It is manna. So you need it manna. They needed it daily. They had to get the manna. If they didn't get the manna, what happened? They couldn't have leftovers. It went rotten. They had to have it. It's saying God's saying you have to have the word every day of your life. And it's, it's not a chore. It's a privilege that you can open up the, the very word of God. And you read it. You don't read it once through. It's inexhaustible. A book is as deep as its author. The author of this book is God. The Bible is infinitely deep. So read it again and again. I've been reading the Bible a long time. Yet I read the same section and I see something new there. And it seems sometimes it seems like a whole new verse. And I'm, I'm saying, God, did you slip that in when nobody was watching? You ever see something jump out and say, when did that get in there? It's because it's always new. You don't have to understand everything about everything. You, you rather seek to understand what God has for you. And not just the head knowledge, you need that, but the heart. Let it get in. Learn to let the Word of God soak into your life, into your emotions, into your will, into your everything. It says meditate on the Word. Sometimes, you know, you have a part, uh, in addition to your regular reading, have a time where you can just, just take one word, take one verse, and let it soak in. Carry a pocket Bible around so anywhere you want to have food with you. The greatest honor, ask God, how, show me, reveal yourself to me. Tell me, what do you have for my life? What is your, read when you feel like it, read when you don't. Sometimes just one word can change your day and your life. Memorize scriptures. You have it in your mind, you have it in your heart. You can speak it at times. Say the word. Post it in times of trouble. Take the word into your life. What did, what did Messiah say? I spoke on, on Friday about the law of multiplied blessings in your life and about sowing. Well, the good soil is the soil that takes the seed inside, receives it. The more you receive it, the deeper you let it get in, even one word, you're going to bear fruit. You're going to bear fruit because the seed bears fruit when it, when it gets into contact with the soil. So you got to let the key is get the word into contact with the deepest part of your life, your heart, your will, your emotions, your soul, and it's going to change your life. God told the Israelites, put the word on your, on your doorpost. You know, the mezuzah, when you go in a Jewish home, you see that on the doorpost. You might see it here, but it's there. It's, what it's saying is that you need to have the word in your daily life. When you come home, bring the word home. Get it to where you really live. When you come and go, the word in everything, everything. And then it says, bind the word on your hand, on your arm. So they bind it. They have that thing, but it's deeper than that. It's saying your hand, your arm is your action. Take the word and let the word become action in your life. And it'll change your life. It says, he who hears the words and does it, he's the one who built his house on the rock. Let, when you hear a word, say, how can this become some kind of action in my life? Any kind of action. The more you do that, the more you're going to be changed. The one who hears my word. Three questions. When you read the word of God, ask yourself three questions. Number one, what is it saying? In other words, what is it about here? What's the context? You should know what, who's talking to, what's the context? What's the purpose? What's the meaning? 
Imagine you were there. You were there when Messiah was saying it or when God was saying it. What does it mean then? What does it mean in the word? Number two. Next question. What is it saying to me? What is God saying to my life? How does it relate to me? Number three. How can I apply this to my life? What practical step can I take right now to apply to my life? So you got three questions. What is it saying? What is it saying to me? And how can I apply it to my life? You do that. You will be blessed. The word, this is the most precious thing. The word is what? A lamp to your feet. It's a light. It will guide you. It's truth. It'll light up your life. The Bible says the word is sweeter than honeycomb, meaning it'll be a joy, it's to be a joy to your heart that you long for. I can't wait till I get a word from God today. The word is a sword. It has power to, to defeat the enemy, to pierce through all other things. The word is a shield as well to be a protection to your mind, your heart. Let the word of God dwell in your mind and heart. You'll have peace of mind and heart. I spoke on Friday about the word as the seed. The word is the seed of eternal life. It's a seed. It means it brings life. Whenever you apply it, it brings life. It brings growth. It makes you fruitful. Makes you multiply a hundredfold. By the word of God, he created you. That means you're linked to the word. You need the word. You be to become the new creation you were meant to be. By the word of God, he created not only you. Now, through the word of God, he creates the new you. In the same way he created the universe, he creates you. He spoke the universe into existence. Well, here are all his speaking. Take it to your life, and it will be, you will, the new creation will blossom in your life. That's how you become what God created you to be. The word is pure. The word is miraculous. Miracles happen through the word of God. The word is a rock. More real than what you see with your eyes because all that, the Bible says, is going to pass away, and it does. But the word remains forever. So the one who lives by the word becomes like a rock, strong, immovable. And the word is our bread. And if you partake of it, it, it fills up your heart, fills up your life, fills up your emotions, actually brings healing to your life, healing to your emotions. And we saw, what else is the word? Davar. By the davar, the word was created. The world was created. The universe was formed. Therefore, it is more powerful than anything you deal with in your life. Apply the word. It's powerful. Paul wrote of the Jewish people. He said, they are the oracle. They were entrusted with the oracles of God. But now, and they still are. But now you, being grafted in, are entrusted with the oracles of God. The word of God. That is a treasure. And the, and the, and the, the word of God, you know, I treasure it. You know, not only, you know, I've treasured. God has given me words in my life prophetic words spoken to me that came true in my life that was what I needed that that were right for the moment has God ever spoken to you right for the moment a word that was right for your moment wouldn't you want the Lord to speak to you as he did the prophets imagine as he did the prophets you're getting a word personally 
from the Lord of the universe to your life. And yet you've been given the entire treasure of God's word. You might say, yeah, but God gave it to others. Yes, but he also gave it to you. He didn't just give it to them. He knew every single person who would ever read it. So the word was actually, in some mystery of God, was actually also specifically given to you. He said, whoever receives my word, personally, he said, to each, to all. I remember I was working with disabled children, and, and God was calling me into full-time ministry. I knew I was going to go there, but I was asked by those at the place, hey, we want to promote you, become a teacher here. And that day I'm praying. I'm just praying because I'd always like, have my, my New Testament with me or my pocket Bible. I just open up to read something, and it just jumps out. It says, let not many of you become teachers. <laughs> now, that was written for another purpose, but God is sovereign, and he gave it to me for that purpose. That was the answer. I wasn't supposed to. And then soon after that came the ministry. Someone was asking to do something with me, but I had questions about the person and seemed to have anger. And I'm praying for God's will. I'm just reading my daily reading, and it jumps out and says, do not associate with a man of anger. That was my answer. I've shared with you. I won't go into the details. I was in a room working. I was on break, and I had my little Bible when I was working, uh, on my, when I was working with disabled children. And in the room is a man named Rufus. And I just happened to open up. I was reading Paul at the end of Romans where he says, greet Rufus. <laughs> so I did, and God anointed it. Now that was written to a Roman Rufus. This was an African-American Rufus, but God knew the moment would come when he gave that word to Paul. When I was asking to help start Beth Israel, when Gary called me, I'm praying. And I happened to open up the Bible. I'm reading my daily Bible. It opens, it opens up to a wide open door for effective ministry has opened to me, said Paul. I said, and now I was only, I was, I said, Gary, I'll help you start it. I wasn't planning for this to, because God called me to ministry. I said, I'll help you in the meantime. But the scripture God gave me years and years and years ago, at the very beginning was a wide open door has opened to me for effective ministry. The next day I'm ministering at somebody's house with a different Bible. And before I go in, I'm just praying. I open up the Bible and it opens up to the same scripture. A wide door has opened to me for ministry. That was God specifically speaking to me. And on the day that the building that we were first hoping on years ago, that was three times the size of, our, of the Moose Lodge that we were in. For those of you, some of you at the very beginning, we were in a Moose Lodge. We were the first Mooseanic congregation in the world. <laughs> and we were proud. We had a big moose head. We didn't know what to do. We put a yarmulke on it. We didn't know what to do. But we're praying for the next building. And the next building is three times the size. It took a lot of faith to believe it because it was above our heads. And then if, after a year, it fell through. We'd been searching for two years. We found nothing but that building. And it fell through, and I was really discouraged. And I prayed to God. I said, I don't even feel like praying right now. I don't even feel like reading the Bible, but I'm going to do it. And I talked to God, and I'm reading the Bible. I, open, I just open up the Bible. It opens up to enlarge the place of your tent. I said, God, that's the wrong scripture. <laughs> we were just going to do that. And it, when it, it fell up through, Lord, and you know we need it. we got to pray now for the parking. We need, we need more parking. But the thing is, but, but, but praise God for you who don't care. But, and, that's, and the thing is this. So we're praying. I said, God, it's the wrong scripture. I said, but okay, you said a large place. So I'm calling up the realtor. We've been searching for two years. I'm calling up. Take me out tomorrow. He takes me out the next day. Next day we find the place after two years. And I said, why didn't you show this to me at the beginning? He said, it's been there. I said, why don't you show this? like the Temple Jerusalem compare. And this is where we're in now is several times bigger than that. But that was the last place, which was a big place in Garfield. 
And he says, well, you told me, he wasn't a believer. He says, you told me you had faith for something three times the size of your first place. I couldn't tell you this one because it was 10 times the size. The Lord was saying, I can't give you that because I had to wait till your faith was big enough to give you what I had for you. And only when you're desperate did you go there. Did you go there? And But the word that God gave me that led, it was only that word that led me to say, let's go out again, was enlarge the place of your tent. That was a word spoken prophetically to me. The point is not about opening the Bible and seeing, because you can go all over crazy as well, but God will speak to you through his word. The point is that's something bigger. The word of God is alive. It's living. It relates to your life here and now, and God will speak to it through it to your life here and now. In all sorts of ways, when you hear the word from the pulpit, God will speak to your life specifically. When you hear it on a recording, you hear it on the radio, when you read it, when it comes to your heart, when you take the word and apply it to your life, God, something specifically happens. The word becomes specific to your life. And is God actually speaking? He knew you would do that. He knew you would apply the word. Look forward to it as, as to the peak of your day. You're going to be in the presence of God, and you're going to receive a word from the king of the universe. What a privilege that is. What an amazing thing that is. Get into it. Get started on the adventure of it. It's amazing to have God speak to you. You see, the word, you know, the word, word, davar, is actually in Hebrew. It doesn't just mean the word. It means the real thing. The real thing, this is the word, but it becomes the real thing. It becomes reality in your life. The word of God, the power. And one other thing, last thing is we, we bring this home. The word was represented by manna. What is manna? What does it mean? Ask me, ask me, what is it? That's correct. <laughs> ask me again, what is it? You're right. What is it is what it is. What it is is what is it. Manna comes from two Hebrew words, ma and na. Mana. Ma means what? And na means is it, basically. What is it? They didn't know what it was. So they called it, what is it? That's what it means. What is it? And it reveals something. You know, you know first of all, first of all, you need to know what the word is, but it also means something. You, first of all, you, when you get the word of God, you have to ask, what is it? What is it? It's manna. What does it mean? What does it mean for me? What does it mean? What am I to do in light of it? What is it, Lord? What's the command? What's the thing? But something beyond that. The word of God is manna, and manna is mana, and mana is what is it. So what it means is this. No matter how much you think you know the word of God, it's still manna. It's still what is it? You still don't know the half of it. I don't know the half of it. There's so much more. If you think you got it all down, you stop knowing it because it's manna. Because then it's not manna for you because you think, I know what it is. I'm not asking what is it anymore. It doesn't matter. It's still manna. It means it doesn't matter if you've heard a scripture a hundred, a thousand times, God so loved the world. If you say, I heard it before, you stop knowing it. But if you say, wait, what is it? Tell me more. What is it? You want to approach the word of God as a new believer, as if you, for every time you hear the word, you want to hear it as if the first time. At the first time, you're reading it for the first time as a child looking at the stars and wondering with awe. You want to still, you want to be in awe of this word. Lord, there's a mystery here. Show me what it is. He never stops amazing me. When I open it, I begin searching. I say, Lord, you've got something new for me here. You got something, you got something. He, say, he says, call to me. One of the first things he gave me when I was preaching as a new preacher, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things you know not of. 
That's what he had for Beth Israel. That's how the harbinger came. That's how everything came. You have to start living by manna. Receive it, gather it. And even if you heard it before, you have to say, Lord, there's a new word in the word. I'm the, the only thing that's old is I'm, I'm seeing the print. I've seen that before. I'm hearing the sound waves. That's before. But the word is always new. That's not the word is, be, is, be, is deeper than that. Mana. When you open up, what is it? Show me, Lord. I've got the honor of opening up the very oracles of God. And God is actually going to speak to me. Lord, what is it? What is it? He says, it says, God so loved the world. What is it, Lord? Really? Follow me. What is it really? What are you saying? Trust in the Lord with all my heart. Tell me more. What is it? What do you have for me? My beloved is mine and I'm him. What is that? Mana. I know the plans I have. Well, really, mana. What plans? The word is manna from heaven. The word is power for your life. The word is authority for your life to live in victory. The word is a treasure, the oracles of God, and you've got this treasure entrusted to you. More than Moses had. Moses didn't have all this. He only had the first five books. You got more than Moses. You had more than the prophets. You have more than the apostles, except maybe John, who came at the end. You hold in your hand the oracles of the living God I am. The word of God by which the universe was formed. You've been entrusted with it. Cherish it. Treasure it. Grab hold of it. Hold fast to it. Show yourself approved. Let your life be conformed by it. Transformed by it. A doer of the word. A reaper of the word. And he who said, let there be light will give, will say, let there be light in your life. For heaven and earth will pass away, but my word, my davar shall not pass away. And the one who receives it will abide forever. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Let's close our Man. eyes right now. Let's yeah. close our eyes. Let yeah, God yeah, yeah. speak to you. <laughs> Woo. Get me out of that light right there. Oh, my God. Who's ready to read the word? Man, if you ain't ready to read the word, you must be dead. Oh, my God. She would leave out right. Y'all pray for me anyway. <laughs> wow. What y'all think? Were y'all blessed? Did you learn something? Uh-oh. Did it locate you? Y'all gonna read that word. Man. Oh, my goodness. I know she had something that waiting for her to come back. But anyway, did y'all like the first part, the first 14 minutes on the Feast of Tabernacles? Man. That's what they're talking about in the book of Revelation, too. I like it because he said, all nations. So, he, so most people say, oh, that's the, that's the Jewish people. No, those are the Moadims, the Feast of God. Yeah. There, yeah. Nowhere does it say it's for the Jewish people, it says it's the feast of God. They're gods. Amen? Amen. Man, so this is, this is why you have to be at a place where you can really learn and rightly divide the word of God. And he said, I didn't come to do away with. He said, I come to fulfill, to live it out. Now you don't have to make that sacrifice to the animal. I've done it for you. Don't mean you still stop. I've just done it for I'm the lamb now. Man, this is some good stuff. Wow. Any, this part, Devar, the word. There you go. Come on, teacher. I'm trying to give you the platform. <laughs> Get her mic ready. And you're talking about the word. That's it for her. I 
Aren't y'all excited about the word? I mean, it's, come on, he said you, it's three-dimensional. Come on up here. He says it's three-dimensional. You got to put the whole synoptic gospel together to get the real perspective of God. Oh, man, y'all, we just reading it. Y'all, come on, teacher. What you got? I know you do. I'll, I'll be talking about the word all night. You know that's what we do. Well, I'm not going to keep you um, no more than probably maybe eight minutes. Oh. Because I know humanity. <laughs> humanity gets tired. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and when people are exhausted, I'm telling you, even if I was an instructor at professor at higher ed, I would really release people when they are not attentive because you are doing a disservice to yourself and also the instructor. Uh, and um, we become a people who are really lax in our walk with God. Uh, and we really have to come to a place that as a teacher, first of all, I'm, I'm excited that you're here but God really always wants us to be here. I'm not saying that you're not attentive, you're not engaged. Uh, but what, what I'm saying is that the word of God must really become you. If we're not willing to become a student, all what was said is a lot what you've already heard us taught. But I guess maybe we got to be... Do we need to get behind a screen or something, a TV, for you to believe it? No. My question is, I have more of a question for you. Because the word of God said we should seek out him, which he is his word, as if it was hidden treasure. Of great value, Right? So how are we really handling the treasure that God has entrusted us with? Because if we're not becoming a student, all what he was saying, and you know, uh, for anybody who's been at any type of theologian school, you know the structure, at least the practical things, which is the structure of the, the Bible. <laughs> and that's good. Some practical things are really good because you need to know. But then the commentary are very dangerous, too, as well. Void of Holy Spirit. So you definitely have to, have to be baptized in his spirit to actually read this commentary. Because you, I, anybody could come up with their own commentary. My question is, um, why have we... Hmm. Always careful with my words. <laughs> with all what we've been informed about the word, why do we still conduct ourselves the way that we do? It's one thing to say, oh, wow. You know, amen, you know, it's, this is great. But it'd be even greater if we actually was living the word. So why we don't read? Why don't we read the word every day? 
These are practical things. But you can't exercise the power and authority that has been given to you if you don't digest the word. The question is, why are we resisting the word? Why are we as Christians resisting the word? Can someone, I mean, I want some volunteers here. Because you know what? I'm, I'm about a uh, teachable moment. I'm about the, the reality of where you're really at. So when you, when, you get, when you go to school, you have to take a test, do the score, and that measures you as to where you're at. It shows you where you're at, right? So you really need to see where you're at. If you don't see where you're at, tonight has been in vain in every other service. Celeste? The truth. So the first thing I, I'm hearing you say, you guys know about communication, that you, I totally understood you, you. I mean, you articulate yourself very well. As one, you had to want, really want. And then two, because you said three points. So this, I'm trying to teach my mom also on how to listen. Two was that you... After you said want, you spoke about really giving uh, giving up something. So, so give, got to give up. You have to, I was talking to someone today. There is a suffering we must have in this walk. You're not willing to suffer. And the suffering for humanity is to give. So you had to really want, say, not my will, but thy will, even as Jesus said. And then he had to give. He had to give his life. We don't really want. 
I'm going to see, we're going to get help tonight. And I'm not going to spend much longer, but I need some, I need, like something I read uh, today, I was talking to someone about how the word is, a lot of this talked about, we talking about, I was talking to one of my support staff about the word being alive and hearing the same thing. Matter of fact, she said on this Sunday, last Sunday, when she heard, heard you just say the word patience, it didn't have the same meaning. She said it literally went through her. She, cause she's just, she was sitting there. She started to cry. And patient had a, see what it does, it breathes a new life of meaning in your situation of patient. This is why we can't get comfortable. Yeah, amen. Yeah, okay. Here we, you know, this is your flesh saying again. Here we go again about X, Y, and Z. But it's, he breathes a new life and a new place to put that word. Amen. That's why I say you can read the word, study, I mean, can quote it, but you can't find a place to put it. Until you find a place to put it, there's no action or execution of the word of God. I saw her hand. Oh, Ashanti? See, because, see, oh, glory to God for just being truthful. So you're, so you're saying the first thing is that the word was not a reality to you. And it couldn't be a reality to you because you had another world. And that other world was time. Eternity was not your reality. See, this is why I'm still saying for our end, which is not going to be our end, this is the great thing that we should be looking forward to because you are a stranger passing through. And this journey, you're going to have... Why we act like we're not supposed to have all these different issues and things that come in life? He said you can have hills and valleys, dry places. He said, but he's with you. Through. But go ahead. I'm not going to try to do no side. But so it was. Too familiar. With not even with God, but too familiar with what was even defined as the word. Because you never got familiar with him in the first place. Because he says once you have really tasted of him, you can never be the same again. Right. Um, Is this question and answer time? Go ahead. 
I'm trying to give you, uh, I'm going to give, beyond you, I'm going to give two more people an opportunity. Because all this is in, in vain if, you, if you're not going to allow the word, allow the word to expose you. I'm trying to allow the word to expose you before I do. Mm-hmm. Allow the word to expose you. So you, so no one likes to be told, or no one wants the covers pulled off of them. You prefer, just like waking your, your kids up in the morning, you know, no one wants to, you to yank the covers off of them, right? Mm-mm. You prefer to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Given us <laughs> prophecy. Okay. Two more. Oh, three more. Okay. All right. Well, okay, we got it. Before we do that, let's do Sammy. So, when it comes to question is why. Don't we read the word? Because it's eat, is our food. Because mm-hmm. we, it's not a day we don't want to eat. We want to eat, we want to snack. You're thinking about the food, mm-hmm. even when you, I mean, you could be working and we you, got, I mean, oh, you snack. smell something. It's just, see, we got so, snacks with us. You got snacks with us, you know. You, you, you know, you get all excited when you talk about food and how to prepare it. People see your menus, and we save it up on the Facebook. You, so when it comes to, I mean, it's, it get real. I mean, it get real. It used to be a thing with me, the chocolate chip. So, I mean, almost like a relationship. This food. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Do we, I'm trying to get us to the question of why don't we, when I say why don't we read the word, is every day, because we have to eat every day, right? Right, everyone? If you're not fasting. Right. And still, when you fast, you still kind of want to eat. (laughs) You still kind of want to eat. You You still... Yeah, you still want to eat. Yeah. You counting the time? I'm not trying to uh, corner you. I'm, I'm trying to get you to understand clearly what the question is so you can answer it, you can answer it in a way to, because if, we, if, we, if you never get there, because it means that you're still there and disobedient, so then that'll, that'll get you to, then why are you disobedient? So you need to keep going and keep going. So it's, it, it's really right at the very brinks. 
Why don't I read the word? You know? If I'm a Christian. Because it has to happen. Um, this is real. It's food. It's food for your, your soul. It's the, all the things that we got going on in our life. This, this spiritual food is the answer. For my, my mental state. It, he's the answer. Uh, for any... Any discrepancy in my marriage, he's the answer. So if you have the answers, why don't we go to the, why wouldn't we go to the answer, you know? And I think someone said something good about whether I understand it or not. Yeah, so let's, we got two more people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Discipline, lack of discipline. So are we coming, uh, is this for you? Because I'm talking. No, I'm asking for, okay. Uh, that's, what I, that's what I'm asking. I want it personalized. Right. That's right. True. Absolutely true. Once you know Okay, now I'm gonna pose a question with a question. Um, um, the first one is something that you love, you don't need discipline. I love. So, for someone you love, you have to 
discipline your, it's just, I'm posing the question, no necessary need to answer for that, but what we love, we don't have to discipline, just like working out. Just like uh, working out, I had to get to a place to where not only could I see the benefit, but there you go. the benefit still wouldn't keep me exercising. Just like your eternal salvation won't keep you living for Christ. Mm-hmm. It's my love. So I'm telling my husband now, I love to work out. I see, you don't have to ask me. I'm going to get all my. See, I don't even. It's, it's now becoming a way of life, not even discipline now, because this is now what I do, because what I love. You can always find a person doing what they love. It's automatic. It's automatic. It's not even an effort to it. Um, when you were sinning, it was your nature. You yeah. loved to doing it. You didn't. It was not. A, it wasn't hard. You you were disciplined in the fact of it's really about yielding. Now, I love my wife, but I'm not disciplined in loving. I just love her. Right. And then when my love for her, it encompasses everything else around her. My uh, attention. Um, you know, want to be together. Yeah. Uh, I, and it's it's not. It's, it's my desire. It's, it's, it's my nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, I understand the dynamic of our relationship. Yeah. And it's, it, it's something that I don't have to be taught. Oh, you all love something. And no one has to tell you to do it. You just do it. You find value in it. And it's right. If you find value in something, mm-hmm. it's just that you don't love it. Just, just be honest. Yeah. Let's be honest. If yeah. you love the word, you're going to live the word. Yeah. You're going to want to be with the word. Yeah. I want to be with you. It's not a moment that I ever not want to be with the person I love. Yeah. I love her. Yeah. Now, now, it may look like discipline, yeah. but it's really love. It's love. It may look like I'm, I'm committed, but it's really love. love. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's like we, you do love something, and no one got to tell you. This is my you. passion. It's, it's what's it's in you. It's you do it. We, we couldn't do all this, but I'm trying to tell you, if you loved something, you would do it. Because and no one got to tell you to do it. It's automatic. I love talking about the word. You never got to say, baby, can we just talk about the word? No, because yeah. we always yeah. talk about it because yeah. I love. That's what's in me. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just, I'm going to cut right me. through it. Yeah. If you love yeah. that thing. They're going to do it. You're going to do it. And you'll find that, who was else? I'm, we're not going <laughs> to. Q? I'm here all night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you, whoever, needs I know. To, whoever needs to leave, they can definitely leave. Yeah, I, I don't want to hold tip. nobody up. Ain't nobody going to. Just stay, the benediction. In, the, stay, God stay bless in the glory. Yep. Stay in the glory. Mm-hmm. But if you want some help, I want to know why I don't love them. Right. I, I want to know. That's, where that's my question. To, why that's don't where I, I'm trying to why get Why don't I love the word or God my and wife. Why don't love my wife? I'm being very careful. Um, because we can't allow the enemy, even in here, talking about the word and then get offended. Yeah, you can't. Enemy. To your 
your heart sin has to be right. I come back. No, I'm come back to address the influence that happened while you was talking, and your husband was saying, and it wasn't, but you felt that it was an attack on you. Yeah, you you look, yeah. So we have to until this. See, you got to shame the, the devil. I'm trying to tell you right now. I just it until. And I, I, I promise, Pastor, and I'm promising you that I will not, I will not give to, if people don't understand my response to the influence of the enemy, of the enemy then so be it. That's right. But I'm not going to try to be what is considered to be respectful to an influence of a demon. No. And we don't counsel them. I don't counsel them. Okay. Until you can actually say to your sister or brother something that they're doing, walking wayward in the darkness, or even how one of the, the spouse may interact or be uh, grudgingly in front of you. And even if you don't even see it, but you can discern it, be careful because I, I'm going to need you to actually be developing your discernment. So don't. Don't even begin to do that yet. Leave that to Pastor Nye. Pray in your closet. You don't need to go grab them. Let me go pray for you. Pray in your closet. Mm -hmm. The main thing is that you should care enough about each other that you don't allow them to walk around this demon that's attached to their life to walk around with them having the same influence on them, and they don't even know that they're being influenced by that. Mm -hmm. Amen. We're going to have to settle it. We're going to have to settle it. If you're married, my husband loved me, and the wife, my husband loved me. Why else are you married? And why else? Yeah. Couldn't people wait to get married? And you, I mean, just had to get married. If that's the case, as probably say, act like it. Mm -hmm. That's right. You need to be excited to be together. Not, uh, we, I can't, I cannot allow all this demonic influence on the people of God's mind. Mm -hmm. And then the enemy is bold enough to sit here and the, and the place that's been set aside for God's presence, not only beyond inside of us, but in this place that we have, we have consecrated and hollow out for him. That's right. See, this is why Walker ministry is not for the faint of heart. Because some people come, and as you go and visit and go to this place and go to that place, you're going to see, oh, it's not that, it's not easy going to that place again. You're going to stop going. You know why? You're going to be challenged to what you're actually hearing. Yep. And you're yep. going to have to submit one place. That's it. That is the word of God. Q, go next. Please do. Yes. 
You, you said you didn't really read until you came here. Wow. And know him. Yeah. That's really good. Cute. I'm hearing you say that before you came here, you didn't really read the word and didn't think that you really had to. See, this is what a disciple is. That's what a disciple do. A disciple is a student. And to have a to be a student. You have to have a teacher. You don't go to the math class, uh, uh, Dr. Scott over here, <laughs> and then the math class, uh, it's no way, because they all have different methods, methods in how they do what they do. And your foundation, see, what has happened with many of us, our, found, our foundation have not been established. Not yet. And they have to keep being torn down now to build it back up and then you get offended because now what your foundation have to be destroyed because it wasn't built on the chief cornerstone or the bedrock see this is why we get offended not you but i'm just saying we do but immediately because you committed to coming to studying to applying the word of God. And what do I do next? Then she just, she was like, she, I think she got with Fee. And well, well, how do I get involved? Then you got involved in the, in the dance ministry. But, but, you know, I'm sure you had a concern with, with the teacher. And I said, well, I want them really to kind of know who I am. How do I connect with them? You can't go anywhere the person don't know you. They don't, how can they speak into your spirit? This is why God says, I've given you pastors after my own heart to feed you. I can't speak into your child. When I speak, I really have to get permission. That's right. Even as a grandmother, I don't have conversations with my granddaughter that the mother don't know of. You know why? Because I don't have the authority. Mm -hmm. I don't have the authority to impart above her authority. Honor don't go and sit on a bunch of other mothers. What kind of, what kind of individual will you be? The disciples didn't do that. But there was talk. Who baptized you? Mm-hmm. Who was yep. you on? You got all these different things. You know why? Because you are supposed to be rooted. Baby girl, disciple is a student, and you're well on your way because you are reading. See, this is what people are not doing. They are searching for knowledge, and the knowledge is to know God. That's it. And you won't sit down in one place long enough to become and be developed into a student. See, 
and this is what this is what shapes and mold me to be a disciple because now I'm a student and there's something that's required that you learn to how you learn how to examine you don't do this on your own don't even be set up don't set yourself up you have to learn how to examine how to research how to scrutinize the word of God but what you hear you you have to have the skills Amen. This is real Bible study. That's right. This is, I, we had some more. Tiff? See, okay. well, I'm just going to say, mm-hmm. the, it's, it's not so much sort of a, a discipline, it's a commitment issue. Yeah. That's the, that's the issue, it's yeah. a commitment. Yeah. And Paul studied under Galileo. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And he was one of the most learned yes. men yes. ever. So yes. much so he's mentioned. Yes. In the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And, and the disciples were under who? Jesus. Jesus. You got to, it's, 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 listen, I told y'all, and, and it's not just, you know, it's, I'm, my fact, this let me use me. So nobody get mad. Can I just use me? When I first came to the word, teacher, I'm, I'm all over the place. I'm listening to this pastor, this pope, this person, this person over here. I'm all over the place because I had a hunger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had a hunger for the word. Mm-hmm. But I was listening to everybody. Yeah. Everybody. And now when it came time mm-hmm. to me to really produce, I was mis- mixed up. My doctrine. Yeah. My foundation because they weren't all saying the same thing. No. Someone were living a certain way. Someone were right. talking a certain way. That's right. Someone would be in a certain way. I was confused. So how am I going to actually minister? No. She told me the best thing. She said, you're going to have to stop listening to everybody. Because yeah. you know why? Because I'm following where the anointing is. Oh, they got the healing over here. I want to learn all about this. Oh, the prophetic is over here. I want to learn all about this. And I won't do nothing. I won't even developing. I just had a. Yeah, you have to be mature. And the spirit of God to even step foot me on another so-called spiritual ground. You have to, because you need to be able to be qualified to discern what is of God and what's not of God. That takes skill. That takes experience. That takes time with you actually in the field. This take time with you. You you going bumping heads with people of leadership, spiritual conversation. So it works and stretches you. But you haven't been stretched enough to step foot anywhere long. This is why what you initiated at whatever point in your life, it didn't come to pass. Because you wouldn't stay on the training ground long enough. And now God is not God. Because it's not turn, it hasn't turned out the way that you thought it should turn out. Tiff? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's how they feel. Even the Christian feel like you've been hit over the head with the word. Hit me. I don't get that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Redirect it back to itself. That's that's excellent um, tip because what I hear you saying is that, and I'm, I think it's the summation pretty much for everyone is that until you were really led to the word and not us telling you what the word of God says and give, telling you these stories, but we really enforce that you go to the word and you have to really read the word you have to really become the word we we really stated there there are requirements as a christian yes there are and we do get offended you know why because had a school of thought go to church kind of breeze over the word everything good but now you're telling me I have to really labor in the word? Or that I'm not doing the word? That's yeah, the one. Exactly. That's what I'm not really be I'm not believing. You coming from I'm my not belief. believing like you. I'm not responding. We all should believe the same and be saying one the faith, same thing. One baptism, one Lord. Amen. Wow. Thank you. Um, I want to thank everybody for I think um did we have one more? Was it was that Fredlina? Hey, friendly. Yeah.
Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. And and by nature, you are a reader. Um, yeah. But it's one thing to read. But it's another thing Conceive. to read with the intent to become. Mm-hmm. That's the conception. Oh, that thing right there. Read with the intent to become. Why go to school to major and to be a, a, a doctor and you don't become? That's the very purpose as to why you're going to school. Amen. And we don't see this as our school. You're still working on your salvation. It, mm-hmm. it is a work in progress. So then, then you need some instructors. This is what's good. I think Al had one more back there before we go. And I know everybody, that. like I said, they won't hold anybody up. You if, guys are relieved. If you need release, to leave, I don't want to hold you. Huh? Mm-hmm. We won't look at you strange enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right, probably. See you, probably. All right, thank you. Mm-hmm. But it's just that some people need help and they, wanna, they want yeah. the truth. I'm here. I'm all night. Uh, That's me. <laughs> That's Pastor. I'll be, I'll be leaving in 10 minutes. So go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Born in church. Go ahead. College intellectual. It's dangerous, and I close, it's dangerous to accept Jesus Christ and then deny him. Mm. Mm. It's extremely dangerous to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and then live a life that says you deny him. That's why he said, depart from me, I never knew you. Again, how come they don't put fear? Don't they put fear in me? Did I put fear in anybody else? I guess we, as the church, we've failed in teaching them about eternity. Yeah. And what that really means, because this is so like a blinking of an eye, all of this. And I tell you all this a lot of times. When you're dealing with a demonic and you're talking to the the influencer. See, I think I've already established that I love you. See, that's the thing. Like, Pam, you, you get mad with each other. The two people are like, you know, I love you. Why are you worried about I should already know you love me. But this is the issue you need to deal with right now. It's not about our love. See, but this is what we always go to. You know I love you. No, I love you. You already know that. That's why I'm telling you what I'm telling you. That's why I'm telling you. Because I do love you. I would, if I didn't love you, I wouldn't let you just live in your lie. That's our, that's, that's our job. Why do you back it up in the fire? You can't see it. You can't feel it. You can't see it. And I told y'all I've done everything, been everywhere. 
So not talking to the person. Love the person. Hate the influencer. We, do, we have to grow. Well, the only way to grow is to put the pressure on. That's the only way you produce. You got to put the pressure on to change. And that's the hardest thing. We don't want to change. When God wants to do something new in your life, he always brings somebody new in your life. Amen. When he wants to do something new. Other than that, you wouldn't? Okay. I'm going to let y'all go. Man, let's stand to our feet. Check your heart. Repent. For the kingdom is at hand. I don't, don't, I just want to grow. I came to this thing in Christ to grow, to be delivered. I mean, confront, I mean, show me, expose me. I was this. My God, I'm free now, though. All y'all free? All right, then we should be happy for one another. Praise God. Amen. Let's bow our hearts right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bless you. We give you glory today. Father, I thank you, Father, just for the unity, the bond of love, and the spirit of truth in this place. So, Father, you have your reign. I know what you said in your word. You told them the truth, and 70 left you, Father. They said, and they walk with you no more. My God. Father, I thank you right now for your wisdom, your words of encouragement father thank you let us grow closer together tonight father if anything is in our hearts father we take it to you right now we give it to you You can give it to them right now in the name of jesus father i thank you for teacher i thank you uh father just for the the sheep today that are here father thank you for allowing us this is the hard thing when you put your hand to that plow and you got to keep tilling up that that follow hollow ground father we thank you right now that we have help with each other in here Father, so we can keep the spirit of truth in this place and in the throne of our hearts. So, Father, I bless you right now. I give you glory. There is nobody like you, Father. We thank you. We give you honor in this place.